Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And by the way, don't forget our website, graceandtruth.net. I hope you're having a great day, but if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today we're going to talk about Genesis chapter 5. I call it the communique. All right, let's get started. It says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In that day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. And he created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. Now, thinking back to chapter 1, what was one of the very first things God did? Well, he gave names to his creation. Day, night, heaven, earth, seas, and here, man, or literally Adam. In this chapter, we're reminded of the fact that he created man in the image and likeness of himself. And so what's one of the first things Adam does? Well, he starts naming things as well. Cow, dog, porcupine. And in this passage, he, like God, gives names to his creation, or rather his procreation. Now, the whole issue of names is one that we in our culture are far removed from. When we tend to name our children after movie stars or give them names that seem to sound good, but we give pretty little weight to the meaning. By contrast, the whole original purpose of naming was one of characterization or prophecy. I think names are important to God because they communicate truth about a person, place, or thing. On the other hand, The father of lies, the devil, is constantly confusing our understanding of names because truth is uncomfortable for him. Consequently, he says that lust is now love. Sexual perversion is now gay. Sin is now entertainment. Gossip is news. And on and on it goes. He's probably ticked that his own name was changed from Lucifer which means light-bearer, to Satan, which means adversary. He's also called destroyer and dragon. Truthful names, but not exactly complimentary. Names are really what this chapter is all about. However, if you're like me, there are times when I'll just scratch my head and really wonder why God put a certain portion of Scripture in the Bible. For many people, genealogies like this one, are such passages. Why would the Lord take the time to record this detail? Remember, all Scripture is given for a purpose, and the theme of Scripture in its entirety is Christ Jesus. He is at the center of it all. And as we take the time to study it, we'll see that this chapter is a neat illustration of that principle. In order to get to the message that the Holy Spirit is imparting, we need to do a little mining in it. Let's look at the whole passage first. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. Now, Seth lived 105 years and begot 
Enosh. After he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters, so all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived 90 years. He begot Canaan. After he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters, so all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Going on, Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahalalel, the first Hawaiian in the scripture. After he begot Mahal, I'm just kidding. After he begot Mahalalel, Canaan lived 840 years and had sons and daughters, so all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. Mahalalel lived 65 years and begot Jared. After he begot Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. Just a couple more. Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Last one. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And he was not, for God took him. Before we continue, we need to stop here for a moment to look at this last section. Enoch walked with God. What's being said here is that Enoch had a marvelous relationship with the Lord. He communed with God continually. Consequently, their relationship became so dear that the Lord just said one day, Come up here, Enoch, and he was translated, zap, from earth to heaven in the blink of an eye. Now, Enoch's name means dedicated, and he obviously was to God. Many scholars believe that he is a foreshadowing of the church, which will also be translated at the coming of the Lord as seen from these passages. The first one out of 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. For those of you who are studying the scriptures in the original Hebrew and Greek, this is in Greek, and to be caught up together, that's the word raptus. That's where we get our uh, word for rapture. So those of you who hear people say, oh, rapture's not in the scripture, well, they're just not reading the original language. And the next scripture is out of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Now, death being swallowed up in victory reminds me of a passage in Joshua. Joshua? Yeah, Joshua, a very prophetic book, by the way. After Moses died, his number two guy, Joshua, was placed in command of the hosts of Israel by the Lord. Keep in mind that Joshua, the name, is the same name as Jesus. One is Hebrew, the other is a Greek transliteration. At the time, they were encamped on the east side of the Jordan River. In chapter 3 of the book of Joshua, the Lord spoke to Josh, and in turn, he relayed to the priests that they were to carry the Ark of the Covenant before the people. He continued saying that when the priests who bore the Ark stepped foot into the Jordan River, it would stand up as a heap so that the people could pass over on dry ground. And that's exactly what happened. But the neat thing about this is that when it happened, the river, which was overflowing its banks at the time, backed all the way upstream to a town called what? Adam. Hmm. Out of Joshua chapter 3, it says, And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, that's the Salt Sea, failed. They were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Now, in order to catch the significance here, we need to understand a couple of things. The name Jordan means the descender. As such, it is a picture of sin and death, the boundary between the wilderness of this world and the promised land, that is, heaven. And with whom did man first begin to descend? Well, with Adam, of course. Sin and death began with Adam. A man has been in a descent ever since. But there's good news. As Jesus in type, Joshua, led the way, the river of death made way to allow him and his people, the Jews, and all who will believe in him to cross over on dry ground. Instead of the river of death swallowing them up and sweeping them into the Dead Sea, Death itself was swallowed, foiled, heaped up, all the way back to Adam. What a beautiful picture of the work of Christ on our behalf. In addition, recall that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. You know, baptism is symbolic of dealing a death blow to the flesh, identifying totally with the Lord. Check out Colossians chapter 2, 11-15. But that's not all that's important about this passage. The Ark of the Covenant, which is a beautiful symbol of Christ, that's a whole study in and of itself, was to precede the people. 
It says in Joshua 3, verses 2 through 4, So it was after three days, that should remind you of the crucifixion of Christ, right? And the resurrection, which took place on the third day. The officers went through the camp. Ah, it's reminiscent of Mark 16, verses 19 and 20. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about, get this, two thousand cubits by measure. Now, let me suggest that this is a very specific prophetic picture of the salvation of Israel, and that the picture foretells of the Jewish people following Jesus into the promised land, that is, receiving salvation, about 2,000 years after Christ's descent to the grave and ascent into heaven. Notice also that this happened at the time of harvest. Well, that reminds me of Revelations 14, 1 through 16. But now back to our text. In Genesis, Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. After he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Now he's the granddaddy of all. That's the oldest person. Lamech lived 182 years. He had a son and he called his name Noah. You may have heard that one before, saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands, because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. And after he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years. He had sons and daughters, so all the days of Lamech were 777 years. 777, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old. And Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So we have a genealogy that runs like this. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. We started out this chapter saying that sometimes you just have to do a little mining, so to speak, in the word, in order to dig out what the Lord wants to communicate. Now, names don't mean much to us today, but they did mean a lot then, and to God they always have and always will. So let's look at these names. First, Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal, comma, sentenced to death. Canaan means sorrowful. Mahalalel means from the presence of God. Jared means one descends. Enoch means dedicated. Methuselah means when he is dead, comma, it will come, or he will bring it. Lamech means to the humble or to the lowly. Noah means rest or comfort. Now, some of you, aha, I can see the light bulb is going on. Can you see it? There's a divine message from the Lord in this genealogy. 
to first glance, it says, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah. But let's translate. These names say, man, appointed mortal, sentenced to death and sorrowful. From the presence of God, one descends, dedicated. When he is dead, it will come to the humble, the lowly, rest and comfort. Wow! The gospel has just been given, and God was the first preacher of it. No wonder he's into names. One more thing. Looking at the years, we can see that indeed the year Methuselah died, the great flood indeed came, which covered all the earth. So his name was prophetic in that way as well. But look at Lamech. He died at the age of 777. The only one mentioned in the group who died at what would have been thought of as a premature age. Now remember, Enoch didn't die. He was translated or raptured. And he died five years before the flood. That's Lamech. Five throughout Scripture is the number of what? Grace. I think this is neat because it speaks of God's gracious removal of Lamech from the scene so he wouldn't have to be destroyed with the rest of the godless world in the flood. There's another scripture that's very appropriate to note here, out of Isaiah chapter 57, verse 1. The righteous perishes, and no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away, while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from the face of evil. I like this because I know that I can count on the Lord to also take those who humbly follow him in this present age out of the world, whether by bodily death like Lamech or bodily rapture like Enoch before his flood of judgment comes on the earth during the tribulation. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm, and faith to trust him. Look for our next podcast, and may you realize more of his grace today.